With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the 12 Questions Interviews here on the Teardown feed. My name is Jeff Gluck with The Athletic, and today we have a 12 Questions interview with Tyler Reddick of Richard Childress Racing. Uh, this is the third and final in a series of interviews I did during Daytona Speed Weeks, where uh, I was able to get some of these drivers to agree to do interviews through a fence or uh, last week in Corey LaJoy's case through the autograph window in the garage area. This one is back to the chain link fence version. And uh, again, like the, the Chase Briscoe one a couple weeks ago, uh, it's a little on the loud side. It was during practice, not the best environment at all for podcasting. So we were kind of yelling at each other because uh, we were standing far away, talking through masks uh, and race cars in the background. So apologies for that, but at least you get the racetrack feel um, in person. And uh, a quick story before we get started here. Uh, so Tyler had agreed to meet me at the Xfinity Series garage because he was supposed to be running uh, an 03 car for our motorsports at Daytona. Ultimately, qualifying ended up getting rained out, so uh, he did not make the race because he never got a chance to qualify. But So he was in the Xfinity garage uh, getting ready for practice there, and um, so he was supposed to meet me at the, the entrance of the garage, so he comes and he just walks right out of the entrance into the area that's unfenced, like where I was standing, and of course I didn't want to get in trouble or anything. So it kind of felt like, um, you're like you're at a zoo and all of a sudden the lion just like walks out of the, the cage or something. And you're like, Oh my gosh. Like I was filled with horror. I was like gesturing at him, like, get back, get back inside the garage, like go back to the fence. He's like, what? Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, so Tyler Reddick maybe almost got us shut down or something by being too nice. Uh, cause he wanted to come out, uh, outside the fence. But, uh, so we ended up doing it through the chain link fence uh, socially distanced, very responsible masks on far apart, all that stuff. And, uh, that's where this interview will begin. All right, everybody. So, uh, I'm here with Tyler Reddick. We're doing an through the fence interview. We are, uh, protected by not only our distance, but, uh, the chain link fence we've determined. Oh, and our masks. Yes. Our masks. We are wearing masks. <laughs> yeah. The chain link fence, uh, will protect us from everything yeah. so yes um so tyler thanks for doing another version uh, another year of the 12 questions here the first one is when you meet someone who doesn't know who you are do you ever lie about what you do for a living oh my gosh way more than i should <laughs> um i feel bad sometimes when i do it's when i'm i guess eating somewhere like at a venue or whatever it might be like when i say venue like i'm in daytona or i'm in like a, like a location or a track or, you know, I'm wearing an RCR polo, whatever it is. Like, oh, what do you do in racing? I'm like, oh, you know, I I take care of the driver's stuff. You know, I'll make up something like that. And they'll ask me like, oh, so the driver's like really, uh, you know, hard to put up with. So like, I'll play with them. And then at the end, I'm like, I'm just like, it, sometimes I'll tell them if they can, if they start to 
think that like okay i don't really believe him then i was like all right i'm sorry yeah i drive like oh wait no way so yeah that's funny that that's was a long funny. answer i'm sorry but no, yes I, it's, I love that it's a lot of fun i've done it a few different ways and sometimes I, I come clean sometimes i don't because they just have no clue yeah <laughs> um which current cup series driver have you known the longest that i've known the long oh kyle larson i've known him since i was five years old four and a half five years old yeah wow wow yeah we i mean go back to i mean i think it's somewhat known uh you know by some um i think there's been some articles put out years past about it but uh we've we go back to the to the to my first days in racing racing outlaw carts against each other in northern california did you keep in touch all those years like did you keep track of each other did you lose touch at any point or we i mean we we uh, at one point we would travel to the to across the midwest we go up to the they'd have an outlaw car race around the same time knoxville nationals was happening can't remember the name of the racetrack but it was not far away from knoxville and then we go up and run during the day and then go watch the knoxville nationals together at night um there was a couple years there when i kind of split off and was doing mini sprints and he was a little bit older and going to the non-wing sprint car and, and midget side of things there's disconnect you know we didn't really keep up with one another i would kind of just branched off went to the east coast and he stayed on the west coast but um our first time really getting back and racing against one another for the first time was actually at rockingham when uh, my, my teammate this weekend uh brett moffitt and i collided on the last lap i cost brett the championship and me winning the race and brett wrecking is what won kyle larson that championship and it's just funny how it worked that way and it was the first time we really raced against each other in many many years wow wow that's a story back wow. in the long hair days can you describe what it feels like to crash in a race car? Man, uh, every crash is different um, for a multitude of reasons. I mean, especially on these super speedways, uh, you know, every crash is fairly unique. You know, we saw happen with Newman, uh, a very unique set of circumstances caused that incident to take place, just like Kyle Busch's wreck here. Um, everyone's unique. and more so on the super speedways than other places i feel like when you hit the wall and have a tire rub you know the way you hit the fence at a mile and a half is pretty similar the faster repaves it hurts more obviously um but i would say definitely on these on these super speedway races every hit's unique and you can never really get used to it it always it always hurts a little bit uh and you you just you just can't get you, you never want to get used to it honestly yeah yeah um do you have any new habits or lifestyle changes that you're particularly proud of? Uh, well, being a, being a dad, I, I find ways to get more done with less sleep. <laughs> I feel like uh, I'm finding ways to continue to motivate motivate myself to, to work harder and harder than I ever had before. And I didn't didn't know what being a dad was gonna be like, um, but for it to motivate me in the ways that it has to be better, be a better person, be a better driver. Uh, work harder it's just been uh, totally unexpected but it's been one of the greatest things ever that's cool um what makes you laugh during a race uh, uh stupid stuff that i do uh it's probably one of the biggest ones another one is like uh you know when you just see something coming from for laps and laps and laps and then it happens exactly the way you see it coming that makes me laugh um but Probably, probably some of the more fun things that, that can happen is is when you're you drive in the corner really hard and like bait somebody into into either missing the corner or going up and, and getting into the side of somebody else and getting two two for one uh those are really funny moments just when you can kind of get in a certain you know 
there's certain drivers you can get ahead of, um, you know, more so maybe in the, in the other series I've been in, and just kind of take advantage of it, and it, it makes it really fun whenever you just continue to get away with the same thing, the same move, and it, it continues to work. So that that's that laugh is kind of like the ha-ha, that kind of laugh, more than like the ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the, what kind of laugh it really qualifies as, it's just, I just, I just find humor in it. it, makes me laugh, it's like, well, that wasn't, that wasn't a lot of work, I, you know, I was like, I don't know, it just makes me happy, I guess, I didn't have to work too hard to get around him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think I just find it entertaining more than anything, I, I don't know if I'm really laughing at them, or, you know, like a evil, like, getting away with, getting away with a crime laugh, it's, it's just enjoyment in the moment. Yeah, okay. What's a quality or skill you envy in another driver? Man, I, I got so many things running through my head at once, it's, it's hard for me to pick the one that, uh, is the most important right now in my head because I'm in the the weird road road course clash slash super speedway racing mindset. Um, but since we're here in Daytona, I'm gonna go with Denny Hamlin. Um, obviously, very very good on these super speedway races. It's not luck that that he finds himself in position at the end of all these races. He's very good at what he does. He's got great race cars, which definitely helps. But there's a lot of guys in this field that have extremely fast race cars that never get in position at the end of these races. So um, just the way he approaches it, you know, he's a very aggressive driver at times, and we've seen that. Um, but he also knows, he, he just knows where to put himself on the racetrack. And I, you know, I think everybody in this field is trying to figure that out, obviously, as he's won two uh, Daytona 500s in a row, won three total. Uh, he always looks strong in these speedway races. I mean, you go back and look at any of them, he's, he's in the picture. The, you know, uh, you know the, the media, uh, you know, FS1, NBCSN, they had talked about it. You know, he's always in that shot of the cars coming across the line and I, I can't it's really hard to explain how tough that is it's hard to just be at the end of every single one of these races let alone uh being one or two decisions away on the last lap from winning the whole thing it's really impressive yeah that's, that's interesting um so for this next one i'm doing a wild card question where i'm mixing it up for every driver and just asking whatever i feel like all right so I'm ready for it one thing you know i i feel like i've known you a little bit since you've come up through the stock car ranks here but I don't really know that much about like your childhood. Like, I, know I don't you're either. From, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, I'm from Northern California, but you're from like Northern Northern oh, yeah. California. Yeah, like North North. Yeah. Yeah. Oregon almost. So, you know, what what was that like? I mean, I, I think I understand your your parents worked at, at car dealerships, if that's correct. What was your upbringing like? Um, I, I grew up in Gorney, California, and I lived the town I was close to was Flournoy, California, a town of I think 15 people when I lived there. Obviously, I was in Corning technically, but I mean, I was right there in the middle of nowhere. Just a lot of, a uh, lot of, a lot of farming. Uh, a lot of people that had livestock, and it was just, it was really quiet. It was really nice. We had a lot of open land. Could go out and play around. Um, but the weather, the the mountains, the air, everything was just really beautiful out there. And I just really took it for granted growing up, just how really beautiful just having having the mountains on each side is, and just, oh man, just just feeling like you can see everything uh, from where we kind of lived on the getting close to the foothills uh, of the mountains there but just loved it out there and yeah my, my parents the other part of that question my parents worked at a dealership and before I was like in in school uh, I pretty much run around the dealership like a wild animal um, I got to be in some of the commercials and power wheels and all sorts of stuff but my love for racing started uh, well, or my love for cars started well before my love for racing and just being around cars and at dealerships and seeing all the cool cars that would come in and go or the ones that would stay on display for years and years that were kind of the, the showroom pieces. Just had a love for cars and I got it from my parents working in the industry. 
So very like humble working class type upbringing. It sounds like. My parents, if if my parents did rough it out, they really they really you know never really painted that picture at first. But uh, you know when I was younger, before I I got to the point I guess where we needed to really needed better funding to go race mini sprints and stuff. Uh, you know my my family definitely didn't have the money to go buy a mini sprint or a hauler and go do all these things. My my grandfather's uh, record business just took off at the right time to be able to kind of afford some of the more expensive forms of racing that that. Um, my my grandfather and my family was trying to get me into to continue to build that experience in hopes of someday getting into NASCAR. And um, if it wasn't for for my grandfather's work ethic and how hard and how hard he worked and how much his, his love for country music really steered his his mind and his in his brain and his ears to get those great artists, um, you know, it would have stalled out at, at probably the age of ten. I would have been in Outlaw Carts, and I I probably still be racing there in Outlaw Carts. Uh, they were a lot of fun. I really enjoyed them, but. Racing is very expensive, and I don't think I was doing enough at that young age to turn the heads of somebody that was going to invest in my career. So I was very fortunate to have my grandfather's. Um, I guess it wasn't even really his job; it was what he loved. You know, he had the dealerships, but the music industry was something he loved, and it took off at the right time to allow me to to have uh, have the the funding to go 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 run mini sprints, travel the travel the country, and get that experience that. It's helped me uh, get to this point in my career in in the Cup Series and in, in the other series that I've ran. I, I don't I don't know this. Not to go off on a total tangent, but what who is your grandfather? What what artist did he did he sign and stuff? Or? Uh, my grandfather was Benny Brown, or is I shouldn't say was. My grandfather is Benny Brown, and um, the one that put him on the map, I'd say, was Jason Aldean. That was the first huge superstar. He had Craig Morgan before that, and a couple others. But Broken Bow Records was his label, and it really really grew and it grew into BBR Music Group, which he later sold uh, a couple years down the road, but had a lot of great artists and did really well with it. And uh, he's, he's just now getting back in the music industry again uh, with Quartz Hill Records, um, you know, with this deal with our motorsports came about and he has this new artist, Nate Barnes, uh, on the up and up, doing well on TikTok. And uh, he's been, my grandfather knows more about TikTok and social media platforms than I do. He's just, he loves music and he's all about, um, all about learning the new ways to, to get artists out there and get a name made for them. So when this deal came about, we had an open spot on the hood as so three car worked out perfectly getting Nate on the hood. And I'm, I got some little extra motivation to, to help, to help him, uh, help Nate, to, you know, get some recognition and get his face up there and hopefully victory lane. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. See, I, I had no idea. Um, Tyler, what's an embarrassing mistake that you've made on the track that you're willing to share with us? Oh, I mean, it's, it's going to be a pretty obvious one. Probably one of my most recent, um, you know, it, it was right here in August. Uh, you know, we had seven laps to go. I was battling for the win, and I needed to jump in front of Kyle a lot sooner than I did. Eric Jones came through with the run and was pushing Kyle right back up to me, and I just waited a second too long. I was trying to be really polite and, and take my time, and I realized once I uh, once I was starting to come up, like how fast the hole was closing, and I really thought, um, I thought I was clearly wrong that I was going to be able to jump up in front of him and Kyle's going to push me and I wasn't going to screw everything up, but I, I totally did. I caused that massive wreck, but the pressure was on. I mean, there was a handful of laps to go and that's what happens. I mean, we, we saw it last night in the duel when, when you feel like it's five, six laps to go, the anticipation just builds and sometimes it blows off way too early and it did for me last year here, but I learned my lesson from it. Unfortunately, it cost myself and a lot of others very fast race cars and tore them up, but I've learned my lesson, and I know it's gonna. I'm gonna be better this Sunday because of it. Okay. Um, obviously, this is a remote work world now, right? I mean, I haven't seen you till now for like a year almost. Uh, 
So if they said to you, you know what, you don't have to live in North Carolina if you don't want to. You can live wherever you want. Would you want to move uh, somewhere else? Man, I don't know how I could. I mean, even even only going into going into the shop during what I guess is deemed safe shifts. You know, we, the road crew splits off and goes in during set during a set time after the shop's been sanitized and let sat to you know decontaminate. Um, so, I mean, I I don't know if I could. Even though I'm only really there maybe one you know one half day uh, of the week, I still need to be there. I still need to be making sure the car fits right and all that stuff. I, I don't think I'd ever truly could be remotely because. Yeah, I may not be there every single day of the week anymore and doing the things that, are that I was before, but those that, that little bit of time that you do still have to put in person being there uh, still matters a lot. It, it matters now more than ever, honestly. So I still need to be there, but a lot, pretty much everything else I don't really do at the shop. Every All, all the workout stuff, training, um, it's, it's, not, it's not on location anymore. So that, that has changed, but the little bit of time that you do spend there has just become more important, I feel like. Okay. Um, if someone handed you an envelope and inside this envelope was the date of your final career win, would you want to open the envelope? No, I wouldn't want to know. Why is that? Ah, uh, well, I, I, you never know how life's going to go. You never know when it's, when it's time to go. You never want to drive until they tell you to stop coming back. You want to go out on your own terms, but I love racing so much. I can't imagine life, I guess, without it. Uh, you know, I have, I have my son, I have, my family, I love them very much, but, uh, you know, for 20 years, this is what I've, you know, 20 plus years is, this is what I've, I've, I've worked and worked and worked at. And, uh, when people joke, you know, people joke about, you know, like, you know, in like 10, 15 years when you're done racing, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa why, why would you say we done racing in 10, 15 years? Like Mark Martin raced, I mean, well, you know, raced for a very long time. Scott Bloomquist, Billy Moyer still racing on the dirt side. Like, why, why, you know, why are you thinking when I turn 50, I just got to turn the light switch off? Like, I want to race, race as long as I can hold the gas pedal down wide open and turn the wheel. Uh, Red Farmer, he still gets it done. I mean, there's, there's a number of drivers, Morgan Shepard. I can go down the list. They, if the drive's still there, you can still do it. And um, that excites me. I want to see how long I can do this. Obviously, I'm, I'm super young. I'm 25 years old. But I want to see if I can take care of myself and, and be competitive long enough to, to race as long as I can because it's all I've ever done. It's all I ever know. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, have you achieved your childhood dream? Not yet. I mean, this is a part of it to win, to win NASCAR cup series races, to win the Daytona 500, to be a, a NASCAR cup series champion. You first have to be a cup series driver. So that is part of that, that dream, but I'm not there yet. I, the, the dream of, of winning the Daytona 500 or, or winning a championship or winning it, Winning it very like crown jewel event like races like the Coke 600, the Southern 500 at Darlington. I go down the list. I um, I, I love winning at those tracks, but it, it's about winning them in the Cup Series that has always been, I guess, what I've I've, I've looked up to the most. And while I've, I'm very appreciative of everything that's happened up to this point and understanding how hard it is to get to this point, I'm not content. I I. I know what I know what my dream was as a kid, and I, I'm still working towards that goal. Okay. So, um, Tyler, as you know, each week on the 12 questions, I ask a driver to give me a question for the next. Oh guy. man, I, you know I knew about this interview for I don't even know how long, and I still didn't even think about it. What what's wrong with me? Well, first, first uh, I ask you. So you you have oh, a second. Oh, okay. So I do have yes, a second to think about it. You have a second. It. I got ahead of myself. So uh, the previous one was Corey LaJoy. He says, if you had to pick one type of car 
to race on one certain track for the rest of your life, you're just stuck with this one kind of car on this one track, what would you want to race and wear? That's a good one. I like that one. It's not really, it's not realistic in today's world, unfortunately, but because of how how hard this would actually be to ever happen, this is this is my dream scenario, but it would be to run the current the current generation Formula One car, like the, the one they just had in 2020 here, but on Nürburgring uh, Nordschleife. I don't even know if I said it properly. The 17-mile circuit. That, cor- that track is narrow, has so many corners. They're all blind, no room for error, really tall curbs you can't use. Um, I played around with it on the, the, the Formula One car that they do have on iRacing, running that course, and obviously it's not realistic. It's way too bumpy, way too rough for those cars. But that track is 17 miles of just unique corners that are all blind and very difficult. I love that track. Probably, I don't know if I ever get to race it in real life, but but it's got so many corners. It's a five-minute lap, I think, or somewhere around there in a car about a Formula One pace. But that would be it. Car, one of the fastest cars on Earth, on one of the most challenging tracks on Earth. It's it's not it's not that hard for me to decide there. Interesting that you chose such a difficult track. You know, you want it's just so like, fun. Yeah. Well, and I racing. I, I'm. And I racing it on like Forza and stuff. I'm, I'm sure it really hurts to crash there in real life, but but it's it's really fun track when you can remember all the corners on a long lap like that. I just it's really really fun. Huh. All right. So yeah, now you can. I, I will let you, give you a chance to get off the hook here because I don't know who the next interview is with yet. So you could either you know do a general uh, a general question for somebody, or when I know I can get back to you, um, and you can have some time to think specifically for somebody. It's up to you. I guess kind of since we don't know who it's going to be, I would say the question is, if you had to give up one of your strengths, what would it be? And if you had to lose one of your weaknesses, what would it be? Is that a good one? Okay. So you have to sacrifice something. You have to give up one of your strengths, but you get to overcome one of your weaknesses. Wow. Something like that, right? Wow. I like that. You know what I mean? That's really good. Like for me, one of my strengths, I guess would be running the fence. I... I don't know if I give that one up, but I, maybe I give up my uh, over-aggressive driving. It's maybe maybe it's not a strength. I don't know. But you have to give up a strength to give up, you know, a weakness that you fight almost, it seems like, consistently that you always need to get a little bit better at. What would that be, you know? Okay. Yeah, Is that a good cool. one? You like it? Yeah, I like okay. that. I do like that. Cool. Well, man, thank you so much for doing this. It's good to see Absolutely. you in person again. Yes. Yeah, you as well. Yep. I'm glad the, the fence kept, kept us safely distanced yes. apart. And, we uh, follow the rules for anybody that's listening to this. Yeah. We definitely did. If you could see us, you know we are. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I, it's been a weird, it's been, it's been, 2020 was weird. 2021 is off to a weird start as well, but glad I got to talk to you and, and thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, everybody, there you have it. Tyler Reddick on the 12 questions. And man, he's just a blast to talk to. And I had no idea about the stuff with his grandfather being into country music and, um, being behind Jason Aldean's career and stuff like who knew, I mean, I didn't know, maybe you guys did, but news to me. So I thought that was a pretty cool little story to uncover there and just a really interesting guy. It'll be interesting to see where his career goes. Obviously finished second at Homestead last week, well, in both the races, uh, Xfinity and cup, but then he got disqualified, um, from the Xfinity race, but could have swept the weekend really had things gone a little bit differently. So the, uh, the talent is certainly there. It will be interesting to see where his season goes. But anyway, um, we will plan on another 12 questions for next week. It will be back to the Zoom-style 12 questions. However, uh, if you're regular listeners of The Teardown, you've heard I'm sitting here on Baby Watch 
My wife, Sarah, is pregnant um, about two weeks out, we think, or less. Um, could come any time now. So I don't know if there'll be a 12 question next week, but we'll plan on one. Uh, so <laughs> please tune back in um, next Friday for that. And uh, Or if you're a subscriber of The Athletic, you can check out the written version on Wednesdays. Actually, this podcast version is behind the paywall on Wednesdays as well, although not in the feed directly. If you're interested in subscribing, um, there's a $3.99 a month deal right now, I believe, if you go to theathletic.com slash 12 questions. Uh, that's the 12, the number is 12, not spelled out. Uh, you may be able to get that deal there. Hopefully that'll help uh, if you'd like to sign up. Anyway, thanks again for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the 12 Questions interview.